Let's hear a drum roll and an applause for for Clark is All his right. nickname. First off, I just want to thank everyone for coming out here today. I actually flew out from Utah and accompanying me, um, well, not literally, she flew out uh, not from Utah, is Jackie as well. So I'm the CEO of a little ironically named company called Useless Crypto. We are extraordinarily useless and we take it as a compliment. And Jackie, if you can introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Jackie and I am the CMO, which I tell people stands for the chief meme officer, but <laughs> really it's the chief marketing officer. So any fun content that you see put out by useless is usually something I have my hands on. Great. Well, the idea of this is to get everyone um, acquainted into the world of crypto, more specifically into the realm of tokens with smart contracts. So it's going to be starting a little bit high level, just to kind of show of hands here, who here owns any type of crypto? It's a decent number of people. Nice. All right. How much of that is Bitcoin? I'm assuming like just exclusively just Bitcoin. Wow. Doge. Oh, and Doge, Doge. Okay, what about Doge? Just exclusively Doge or Bitcoin? Just exclusively Doge. Okay, nice. Wow, that's a that's pretty intense. <laughs> um, I, I did pretty well with Doge myself, actually. So I got in like towards the middle of when it was at five cents. Oh wow! Yeah. I think it was mine like point zero zero something. It was one. Of, it was a lot of zeros. I don't know how many zeros. Yeah, that's why you're a billionaire now, right? I'm not a billionaire. No, I actually have million. Not <laughs> realized or unrealized. There's a difference. Yes. Um, but but no, I'm, we're not we're not millionaires here. What we're doing is we're yeah. trying to innovate and make the space of decentralized finance better, yes. right? Um, so that's what DeFi is: is uh, decentralized finance. Um, it's a burgeoning new area in the crypto space and is powered by smart contracts. So um, if you're familiar with Bitcoin, Bitcoin was the OG, right? The first of its kind. And I would allude that to being a, a gen one layer solution. So you have something like Bitcoin that comes up with this novel idea of let's have a decentralized ledger. And to do that, there's a mechanism called proof of work where uh, by solving computationally difficult problems, what you're doing is you're proving to other people um, that you're able to solve these very computationally difficult problems, but they could easily verify it. And when they're able to easily verify that you solve this problem, then you get a reward. You get a reward of Bitcoin and every four years that happens. So proof of work was the first it was founded by someone who was anonymous, is was some group, person, organization, something, Satoshi Nakamoto, very mysterious. His wallet has been dead for years and years and years. This person is worth literally billions, but the wallets haven't been touched. Godfather. Yeah, very mysterious. But um, again, Bitcoin has utility in the fact that it broke down a lot of barriers and that you can send money to anyone, anywhere in the world, and as long as it has intrinsic value, which the, what, what are you really putting up when you're mining Bitcoin and doing that kind of thing is you have some skin in the game. And so for people who are mining these nodes, who are collecting all these ledger transactions, 
who are trying to solve these computationally difficult problems. Um, if you know anything about computer science, what you're actually solving are leading zeros on hashes, right? So you have uh, a blockchain that has a, um, a hash. You, you take that whole block and you hash it, and then you have a string, and it's the puzzle. You need to come up with a string that will generate a hash with a certain number of leading zeros. That's the puzzle. And it's really, really difficult. Like, if I were to generate a ton of different random strings and take those two hashes and hash them together, I might get, after maybe 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 attempts, I might get one hash with a leading zero. It's much more difficult to get two leading zeros. Much, much, much more difficult to get three leading zeros and so on and so forth, right? And so as that's how proof of work works is you're proving to the blockchain, you solve this puzzle, you found it out to six or seven leading zeros and it's very easy to verify. You take the hash of the old block and the new string, that's the solution, and you hash them together and you get your answer with the leading zeros. Very, very quick, easy to verify, but it's very, very difficult to actually like solve initially. And what you're doing is you're proving to the consensus network that um, that you did the work in electricity, essentially. So if you look at the, the price of Bitcoin, right, a lot of it revolves around, well, it's never going to go under the cost of electricity for a lot of reasons, because people will sell if it actually is under the cost that it took them to actually mine, right? Um, and it's not usually one person that's solving these problems, it's these big mining pools, right? So I, this isn't about Bitcoin and how Bitcoin works, but just remember proof of work. That's the important thing is it's pretty dang cool, but there's more to come. So Ethereum is more like a Gen 2 type solution and Ethereum introduced something called smart contracts. Now this is really, 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 really neat. So again, from a, a computer science standpoint, think of a smart contract like a virtual machine program. And you're interacting with it like a little CLI, right? You have a little terminal and you're interacting with it, whatever. And what you're doing is when there's a smart contract that there's a bit of code, it's a little bit of a program and has variables and it has functions and all these things in it. And it can store things. It can has a memory associated with it, right? So you can store the state of these variables. You can create these giant arrays or mappings inside of these smart contracts. And what you do is you pay in gas. So you have a little bit of gas fee, which is the Ethereum token itself, right? And you say, hey, I want to run this program on this smart contract. And you send a little bit of gas and these node validators and the people who are, are, are spinning up virtual machines and running your code and executing and finding consensus. And then they get a little reward in the gas to actually run the state of the application. And every time you execute code against that smart contract, it changes the state of the smart contract, right? And so you may have a variable that is, you know, I don't know, just something completely random and you update it in the blockchain it runs the code, it updates that variable in the blockchain, and it's now there stored permanently. It changed its state. So every transaction on something like the Ethereum network is really just interacting with the program once, hitting it with like one command or one function, it does its thing, and you pay its gas, and then it changes the state of the application. And this unlocked a whole 
new world of utility on the blockchain. You can program anything. And then as long as you have the gas to run it, then you can execute these programs and do whatever you want. And it costs gas to write to the blockchain. If you think of it almost like a decentralized database in some ways, and it's free to read. So again, you pay to write, it's free to read. So Ethereum, like I said, Gen 2, it's still proof of work. It's moving to proof of stake. I can talk to you about that in a little bit. But um, then you have some Gen 3 uh, tokens that have come out that are more proof of stake. Um, it's a little bit different. Instead of proving that you've done the work with your electricity to get consensus, um, you're now doing um, node validation where you're putting up a stake of a large amount of coins that you have and you say, I'm a validator node. I'm going to validate. There's like 20 or 30 others of us, right? That's what it is on Binance. There's 21 node validators. You need a lot of money. And you need a lot of, uh, of BNB in order to be a, a node validator on the BNB chain. And when you do that, you can validate these nodes and you can um, do it without actually spending any massive amounts of electricity. So it's a different type of consensus network, right? It's a little bit more centralized. It's spooky to a lot of people, right? Because if you were to get a majority of the stakes somehow, you could completely rewrite the blockchain. Um, so there's, there's definitely some pros and cons. Um, but what's cool about that is for something like finance marching um, and where Ethereum is headed and some of the new uh, blockchains out there, being proof of stake is much better for the environment. Um, it is typically much faster to actually validate transactions. And it's, uh, it's overall typically a better experience. But proof of work is still like the purest, you know, like this is real, like we've proven that we've actually done the work. So that was all kind of a segue into why we're here today. We're talking about smart contracts specifically on Ethereum and finance marching. Um, so useless is a token. And when I say it's a token, um, even though it's on the Binance Smart Chain, it's a token on that chain. And so you can have a chart and a graph and you can trade and you can send back and forth. You can buy and sell and have utility of this token all within the realm of it being in the, on the Binance Smart Chain network. And there are lots of tokens, a lot of Ethereum tokens. You may have heard of them. Who here has heard of SafeMoon? Yeah, a couple of you. Um, what about Shiba Unu? Yeah, yeah, a lot of you guys. Um, so these are tokens, not coins, right? It's not Bitcoin, it's not Ethereum as a coin. These are tokens. These are smart contract representations on a specific chain. You can buy and sell and trade, right? But it's attached to that parent chain, if that makes sense. Um, so again, a useless crypto, um, Jen, can't be here with us. She's from Vault DeFi. Um, she. Uh, so far, no. So far, no. Okay. Um, oh. Your video. Yeah, we can. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, we'll we'll tell you a little bit about useless crypto here in a second. This isn't to show useless to you. This is really just to show you kind of what we do, where we're from, and then. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about how we got started and what it actually means to create a token and actually literally a cryptocurrency um, in this space. And then it'll be 
really like how we've done this, some of the pitfalls, if you want to create your own token, what would you have to step through and think through, some of the problems that we faced, and uh, hopefully it'll be an informative experience for you. So thank you, let's get this started. All right, so this is kind of a promotional video that we show from time to time, and it's just, it's like the useless vibe. Our whole lives, we've been given useful advice. Go to college, get a job, take out a student loan. You'll be able to pay it off. We've been told to work harder. Your major was useless. Buy a house, go to grad school, save your money. They've told us their way is the only way. Anyone can make money. Invest your money in the stock market. And they've told us our way is useless. Bitcoin's a joke. We'll never get rich that way. Nobody will ever take you seriously. Cryptocurrency will never last. Even though everyone can see their useful advice doesn't work anymore. The economic crisis is set to become one of the world's worst financial crises since the 1850s. But inflation nation is still a major concern for CFO. Americans own over $1 trillion in student debt. Record-breaking home prices. A group of independent investors in a Reddit group called Wall Street Bet. President Nayib Bukela announcing he will propose a bill to the country's Congress this week. Projections about where Bitcoin goes including $100,000. Fame is that he went all in on a meme-based cryptocurrency called Dogecoin. And in 69 days, he went from a struggling music producer to a Big, big congratulations. That's a useless. I'm very, like, I'm very happy. So I just have one question for you. Who's useless now? You spray painted it gold. So. I did. Well, it was green, and yeah. I have a green screen, so I was worried it wouldn't show up. He's like, it's purple. Okay. So this next video is uh, less. It's, you know, less opinionated. This is our product. And um, this next video showcases our app, which will feature our full utility. And David will get into that discussion in a minute about how important that is when you are a cryptocurrency. But this is the uh, some beta version of our useless crypto app. And yeah, we, we really like this. So we hope you do too. Steve Jobs moment, right? Where everyone's cheering and so one thing I want to kind of I'm going to tell a, a little bit of a story, right? So I first got into DeFi um, by SafeMoon, actually. Um, so I uh, moderated some subreddits on Reddit. Um, I heard about this token called SafeMoon from uh, my fellow 
actually. He messaged me. There was something bad that happened. There was some bad news. He told me, and he's like, but hey, on the flip side, I got 1.2 billion safe moons. So I got that going for me. And I'm like, ooh, it sounds like a shit coin. I'm like, I, I want in on that. I want 1.2 billion of something. That sounds awesome, right? And that was my first introduction into, into safe moon, which um, actually is, is not a shit coin, um, come to find out. Um, <laughs> and so for me personally, how it worked out is there, it was pretty small at the time, uh, around March of this year. Um, that's how fast things move in crypto. And I moderate a few subreddits and, um, I decided that I was going to throw my hat in the ring and see if I could moderate the safety subreddit now that I was you know, invested and, um, it ended up, um, becoming the platform community manager for SafeMoon, still am. Um, so I, I love SafeMoon um, and I'm not here to represent them, right? I'm here in the capacity for, for useless. Um, don't worry, John and Charles know uh, that I also work for useless, but uh, so I have a long and storied history, um, but that's where I learned the ropes. That's where I learned about FUD. Uh, if you've heard of that term, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's big in the crypto space. And from there, SafeMoon just rocketed. It went crazy. Um, and it hit its peak at around a $2 billion market cap. And it was pretty insane. Um, it was a wild ride. And up until very recently, SafeMoon was the largest project on the Binance Marching Network, which is a, uh, a rising competitor against Ethereum. Now, what makes Binance Smart Chain different from Ethereum is Ethereum right now is very expensive for its gas fees. You may swap a token and it may cost you 50 bucks. You may send you know, some uh, USDT to someone, um, which is tethered United States dollars. It might cost you, you know, 30, 60, 70 bucks, you know, depending on the gas fees at the time, and it's expensive. And, um, the reason being is Ethereum is so popular, right? That's part of the reason why gas is so expensive is people are competing for this computational power in the big blockchain virtual machine. Um, Binance Smart Chain is different because, well, it's a little complicated. Actually, have two parallel chains. One's their Binance chain and one's the Binance Smart Chain and they're swappable one for one. We'll, we'll not get into that. But the Smart Chain itself is proof of stake instead of proof of work. Um, and Ethereum's not quite there yet. So the gas fees on Binance Smart Chain are much smaller. So you swap a token out and instead of paying 50 bucks, you pay you know, 50 cents, right? So a lot of tokens um, end up on the Binance Smart Chain network because it's just much more accessible for people to trade and buy and create contracts and so on and so forth. So after um, what happened, which is kind of funny, how I found useless, I didn't create useless. Believe it or not, I went to a little subreddit called Crypto Moonshots. Please don't go there. You lose all your money. <laughs> and there are ninety-five percent scams, like for real. You know, don't go there. Um, and I found this little token called Useless, and it was a funny website. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna do this. I waited until it counted down, and they launched, and I bought in, and I bought in hard. <laughs> I spent a lot of money on it, um, getting in early. Because I wanted to be a whale on a project that was exciting. I've never had that before, right? The opportunity to jump first into a project at first and be like, let's do this. Let's 
you know, what I want to be an influencing voice on how this token works. And it's looks like it's garbage. Looks like it's kind of a throwaway, maybe a joke or a meme. But I'm like, I think this has potential. I really like the name. It also was unique because it's not Doge whatever, or there's a lot of copycats in the name space of crypto. So useless is recognizable because it is the only one like it. Yeah. So I ended up becoming a, a fairly large whale in the project. And um, as the countdown was happening, I was messaging my friends, my coworkers, and even my family. It's like, get in on this, right? Like, let's do this. And it turned out that it really was designed as a joke <laughs> by the creator. <laughs> um, OG Dev, as I call him, right, um, is a mysterious creator of, of Useless. And he had no desire to carry it forward, no desire to create a community, no desire to build any utility, um, no desire to lead a project. And that was that. So I talked to him on Discord and <laughs> um, I convinced him to hand over the token to the community. I'm like, well, if you won't do it, like we can. And so uh, we had a little community group together and we banded. It really wasn't super organized, and we um, we just kind of trekked on without him. We got all the socials. We got um, one of the marketing wallets from him. He just sent everything over. Well, and then we found a liquidity issue, and I can get into what liquidity is. It's fascinating if you are a complete nerd. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> you may not like it if you're not. Um, but we found a liquidity issue where liquidity was supposed to be auto-generating, and it wasn't. And so I dug into the smart contract code, and I actually talked to um, Hank from SafeMoon and Trevor got him on a voice call and I go, yo, like I'm going through this code. I think there's a problem with liquidity. And as soon as Hank saw it, he goes, oh man, you are, you are effed. He didn't use that. I'm trying to be PG here. Um, and I was devastated. I was like, oh man, <laughs> we're not gonna build liquidity. All my friends, all my family, all my coworkers that I've gotten to this token and everyone who I've like, helped convince that this was like, you know, going to be a cool thing. Um, it wasn't going to fly. I was, I was really, really heartbroken and nobody knew about it yet. And there was one choice in this matter. There wasn't any other choice. I had to do the right thing and tell the community and tell leadership that this token had some major issues. So I went to leadership and I told them, it's like, here's the, here's the liquidity problem. Here's what's what. And we talked about a relaunch. And one of our biggest investors, I think number one or number two wallet went by the name of Glass Lover and Discord, you know, online aliases. It's kind of fun. And he dumped his entire bag of 61 trillion tokens as soon as he heard that. And that's even more devastating, right? It's like game over, right? It's over. 61 trillion tokens gone in an instant. That's a huge chunk of circulating supply. It's gone. And at, there's only about 500, no, 430 trillion tokens in circulation. That makes, puts that in perspective. And so huge, massive crash. And we decided that we were going to relaunch. And we're just like, whatever, we're going to do this. And we relaunched and we fixed the liquidity bug. We launched a new smart contract. We airdropped the new tokens proportionally to everyone. And we live streamed the whole thing. And it was nerve wracking, but we did it. We did it. We relaunched useless under a new smart contract that wasn't broken. And that's the thing. Smart contracts, they're immutable. When you put the code out there on the blockchain, you can't go back and you can't bug fix. You can't edit. If you do something wrong, you're screwed. 
you have to relaunch. Um, and that's what we had to do. And so just kind of keep that in mind as you dabble into the blockchain is that what you write on the blockchain can't be unwritten. There's a, there's a couple of uh, things that you can do like self-destruct the contract, but that's beside the point. So we relaunched, um, I guess by straw poll or something, I ended up as voluntold the CEO and the rest is history. And so we learned a lot of initially being a meme token that was, we, we laughed about being useless. It was a joke to us, the irony of other tokens trying so hard with their feigned utility and never delivering on their promises. And we're like, we're just gonna be openly useless. We're gonna tell you, we're gonna have no promises. We're not gonna do these things, right? And <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. It was, it was funny. We actually submitted a white paper. Um, yeah, to, so the best day that you will ever have as a token is the day that you're listed on CoinGecko and CoinMarketCap as a new token, because then millions of people can actually sort by what's new in the last 24 hours. <clears throat> and they just throw money at the you know first 10 that they see that just came out, just like David talked about investing early. This is their version of investing early and something fairly legitimate. So I had been involved for a, a few weeks and we kept asking, when CG, when is CoinGecko gonna list us? When is this happening? And finally somebody said, I guess they didn't find the joke funny when we submitted a completely blank white paper. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I know that's on the website, but you did that? And they're like, yeah. So frantically <laughs> scrambling to actually redo a real white paper and submit that. And then we got approved within like a week. Yeah. The, the white paper said, it wasn't completely blank. It said, this page is intentionally left blank. So um, that was the first useless white paper. It's a little bit different now. <laughs> <laughs> so since then, we then dipped ourselves in seven layers of irony and tried to become as useful as possible. So I actually have a startup called BitRunner that I put on hold. Um, and in there, we have a, several software developers who are working on a product that was more like a peer-to-peer delivery system types, it, I won't go into that. But anyway, I stole my developers and I go, we're stopping this and we're gonna work on a useless app. And they're like, what? No, it worked out. <laughs> and so yeah, we, uh, I pitched the idea and got our guys on board and we started working really hard on this app that you see here. Um, so utility in a token is very important. And the reason being is there are rules. When you're dealing with the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, you have to have, um, you're either considered something that's a security, think of like a stock, right? So if I have a company and I issue shares, those are securities for that company. And that security implies ownership, partial ownership of the company, um, vote in may or may not imply voting rights. Um, the long and story short is that a security is an investment. And there's some sort of things that are involved with the regulation of securities that the SEC deeply cares about. So if you have a security, like you create a company and you issue shares, that's regulated by the SEC. So when you create a token, well, the SEC takes notice. They want tokens or coins, or cryptocurrencies or what have you, they want these things to be not securities. They want them to be tokens of utility. And if you don't have a token that actually has any utility, if you just say this is wild speculation, 
invest in my cryptocurrency. The word invest is a very dangerous word, right? You invest in my cryptocurrency, then I'll give you all these rewards. That's extremely dangerous verbiage. That it's going to, as some SEC intern somewhere is going to get you in trouble, right? Um, and if you are evaluated as a security, it's game over in the crypto space. If you guys know anything about XRP or Ripple, they're currently in a lockdown lawsuit, and that's why you can't buy Ripple in the U.S. If, unless you use a VPN, because they are in court, and the SEC said you need to be a security. But Ethereum and Bitcoin are registered as commodities, which is why you can trade them. And Ripple said, well, why are they a commodity, but we're a security? And the SEC said, well, they just are. So they went to court and they were like, we need to know how you figured out how to do that. So Ripple is doing something very important for cryptocurrency right now. And I, I really you know, hope you guys look into that lawsuit because it will change a lot of things. So yeah. Um, we decided after speaking with some attorneys and we're like, we need to actually And so what we decided to do as part of our utility is to make useless spendable. And we made useless spendable in the actual app as promoted rankings. So we created a system called Eclipse, that's the name. And it allows for you to we will list tokens in our app. Um, so you can download the beta app right now, actually. Um, Sure. Everyone have a with them? Yeah. So uh -huh. this is the useless app. Um, it's an open beta. It's not available on the Apple Store or Android, uh, Google Play Store yet. Uh, but you have direct <laughs> links that you can click and download and do the, the beta program itself. Um, so in the useless app, you're going to see a bunch of listings of tokens. You see that? And when you click in on a particular token, uh, it will show its part. Right? And it's transactions like that. So the listings are really important because if you're on the top of the list, then that gathers the most amount of attention. And so we made our utility of our token saying, if you send, if you spend your useless tokens on these app, on these token rankings, then it will boost you up in the list. Um, and so that's how we created utility out of something that was originally designed to be useless. We gave it something you could spend it on. So in the state of Wyoming, for example, there is some crypto-friendly legislation that defines what a token of utility actually is. And that is something that is spendable for some product or service that is consumable, right? So uh, consumable spending, right? So that's our product, that's our service, is promotion within an app. That's the service we offer. And so therefore we are a utility token, we talked to some attorneys, we got a legal opinion, boom, right? Now we're a token of utility. Hopefully we don't get regulated by the SEC. It's still very scary. So don't ever say the word invest, um, that's bad. There's also things too like guarantee or return and things like that. So we're, we're, we're designed our token and we talk about our token as this isn't a guaranteed thing, right? There's a chart, you can buy it, you can sell it, you can trade it, you can transfer it. But if I use the word invest, then that's some implication that you're actually, you know, investing into the token. And the idea is, is a little bit different. So it the, implies that you expect to make a profit. The way that they determine this is something called the Howey test, which is actually something to do with orange groves in a case from the 1940s. Mm -hmm. That's how old this is. They're trying to use that to regulate this. 
So it's very outdated. Again, Ripple's trying to change this, but it's it's more about having the anticipation and the expectation that you will see a return positive on your money. So we can't guarantee that. And and we would tell you that about any single coin, not just ours, but you should never risk more than you're willing to lose to see go to zero. This is a crazy environment, but there is a lot of money to be made potentially. So it's a fun space to be in. Yeah. And this isn't uh, financial advice, but there's something I'd call asymmetric risk, right? Where you put in a little bit and then it has the potential to explode and go crazy. Um, so if you were to put bet everything on black and in Vegas, that's a bad idea, right? So if you go and you find some cryptocurrency and you put everything on that, um, yeah. Because most cryptocurrencies fail. It's kind of like a startup, right? Um, and so you have to treat yourself almost like, again, not financial advice. Yeah, those SEC people are everywhere. Um, <laughs> but you, but if, treat, almost think of yourself as like a venture capitalist where you're going around looking for startups that may or may not be uh, valuable in the future. And if you go to some random startup, and again, like what, 90, 95% of all startups fail, and you put everything you own on that as an investment, it may not work out. But if you're smart and you do your due diligence and you narrow the field to, to good candidates, and then you diversify and you don't put everything you got into it because even market conditions can be up and down and affect the market and all that. So um, you might be able, you might be able to have a pretty interesting returns, right? Um, not just you know 20% a year, but I'm talking about like. 100x in your investment that is not unknown in this space so i'm not saying this to go out and spend all your money on crypto that's not what i'm trying to say what i'm trying to say is to understand what these vehicles are um how they work how they operate and more interestingly if you were wanted to dabble with even creating something on the blockchain you can't it's actually really easy the barrier to entry to creating a token on binance smart chain is so low that's why there are probably so many scams that are prevalent out there. So you got to be really, really careful when you're vetting a project. You need to know the team behind it, the people. Um, you ever heard of the term docs, right? Um, so you're finding a docs team is helpful, but they can be sneaky. They could get some community members to basically be, you know, the people that stand in front of everybody and say, here we are, we're the core team. When there's a secret developer that is undocked, and they have all the keys to rug pull the token. And when they use the term rug pull, what they mean is to withdraw the liquidity to make it so you can't trade the token anymore. And it withdraws the entire backing of what actually gives it value. So rug pulling is very prevalent in the industry. It's very scary. Um, have you gotten rugged? You've gotten rugged, haven't you? I invested in a um, one of a fair launch, and it, we said that we were going to be the magic carpet gang. We were going to try and rug the rug, and <laughs> it doesn't work out that way. You guys stole our money and left <laughs> within like fifteen minutes, too. Yeah. We we can't tell you the transparency issue within the socials that are available for these tokens. You would never join our our discord and ask a simple question like is this a rug is this a scam and be met with a, the ban hammer and like an immediate exit but i have joined a telegram and been like is this a scam and they ban me so probably yeah so look for that transparency look for people willing to at least promise or you know say something yeah and so here you actually see you know we have actual real transactions 
right now. I don't know why the chart's not loading. That sucks. Yeah. Um, but I can go to PooCoin. Oh, PooCoin's so gross. <laughs> it's called literally called PooCoin. Um, there you go. So that's an example of the useless card. You have transactions that are happening now. What's really, 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 really cool about all this is something that's I call decentralized liquidity, what other people would call probably too, actually. Um, so decentralized liquidity, um, if you're familiar with market making on actual stocks, how it works is you have real life human beings and they're like, I'm gonna buy at this price. And you have other real life human beings who are like, I'm gonna sell at this price. And so they put in buy limit orders, sell limit orders, right? You'll have people come along and be like, I'm just gonna buy whatever at whatever price. It's like a market order or sell whatever at whatever price. That's a market order. They don't care. Um, and so these these limits, these these limit orders um, are real, typically real human beings or organizations behind them. Um, these big hedge funds or whatever. Um, and you're you're dealing with real people when you're buying and selling. The problem with cryptos of these small microcap like um, uh, tokens that don't have like a lot of people constantly buying and selling, right? It's not the, the New York Times, it, it's, not, it's not the trading floor of New York Stock Exchange. Um, so in order to facilitate transactions, you could have a something called a centralized exchange where, and there's a bunch of them, there's Binance, you may have heard of that. There's Coin, Coinbase, right? Um, there's KuCoin, there's Crypto.com, there's uh, BitMart, there's a bunch of uh, centralized exchanges out there. These centralized exchanges work the same way like the stock trading floor, right? Or these open orders. Real people putting in their limit orders of buy orders or sell orders, and there's a, a gap in between. You'll see the price kind of go up and down based off you know, what people are willing to buy and sell at. That doesn't work with useless. Well, we are on BitMart, that's all another story. But for most decentralized tokens, um, you're not actually going through a centralized exchange. You're using something called a liquidity pool. And this is magical. So how it works is you have what's called a liquidity pool and it's governed by smart contracts. It's governed by code. There's no buyers waiting to buy. There's no sellers waiting to sell. And then their orders are filled. That's not how it works. Instead, you come along and you're like, I want to sell. And you sell your tokens and you instantly get your, your money back. And it's against the price that's dictated in the liquidity pool. And how it works is it's a pairing. The pairing of BNB, that's your first piece. And that's what gives it value, right? The more BNB in the liquidity pool, um, typically the, the more value that's backing the token, right? Because BNB has a value. It's like Bitcoin, it's like Ethereum, right? And then you have the other piece in your liquidity pool, and it's your token. And so imagine that I had, say, 10 tokens in the liquidity pool and one BNB. Well, my price, right, per token would be 0.1 BNB per token. That makes sense, right? So what happens is when you interact with that liquidity pool, what you're doing is you're performing something called a swap. You are taking your, if you're selling, you're taking your tokens and you're going to the liquidity pool and you're putting it in and you're taking the BNB out. So you're selling your tokens for BNB, right? And what that does is it changes the ratio in there. 
So what happens is the price will go up and down accordingly based off of how much BNP is in the pool, how many tokens are in the pool. That's your liquidity pool. So for example, if I were to sell half of all my tokens in circulating, let's say I'm a huge whale, I sell half of what's in circulating supply and I dump it into the liquidity pool, I'm gonna pull out a crap ton of BNB back into my wallet and be like, yeah, right? Well, that's cool and all, and the price is gonna plummet because the BNB is gonna go super way down. Well, what happens when the BNB goes down but you have the same number of tokens? The price goes down. Well, you're also making the number of tokens in the pool go way up. So you're, that's a double one. So fewer BNB, a lot more tokens, lower price. Then someone comes along. <laughs> um, someone comes along and then they maybe buy it all back. Or let's let's do the opposite, right? Say things are chilling, things are going fine, and then someone comes along and they just want to dump a million dollars on a token that has like, you know, uh, say five million in its market cap. Like that'd be a huge, huge buy. It'd be nuts. So this person buying would come along. They have all this BNB, they dump it into the liquidity pool, and then boom, you have a ton of BNB. And what happens is they take tokens out of the liquidity pool and they put it into their wallet. Since you have very few tokens, a lot of BNB, very few tokens, that's a very high price. So that is a decentralized liquidity pool, how it works. So by buying and selling and interacting directly with this liquidity pool, you can have these fluctuations in pricing. Why don't you play that video? Sure. There are now, we all know and love. Oops. Professor Tupac's, of course, here for a lesson on liquidity pools. Let's get started. To explain this in terms we can all understand, I'm using something we all know and love, candy. In this example, we have an equal number of Kit Kats and chocolates. For easy numbers sake, let's just say there's 100 of each. I didn't buy 100 of each because I didn't want to eat 200 pieces of candy, but you'll get the picture. The chocolates, in this case, are useless tokens, and the Kit Kats are BNB. The table is our liquidity pool. Now, with a one for one value, let's say someone trades 20 Kit Kats for 20 chocolates. There are now 80 chocolates and 120 Kit Kats in the liquidity pool. So each chocolate is now worth one and a half Kit Kats. Someone else comes along and trades 30 Kit Kats for 20 chocolates, since the value of the chocolates has increased. There are now 60 chocolates and 150 Kit Kats in the liquidity pool, or two and a half Kit Kats per chocolate. So this means that the value of the chocolates has not increased uniformly. Instead, it increases in value non-linearly with each purchase, meaning the value of the chocolates goes birds. Now, the person who bought 20 chocolates in the beginning for 20 Kit Kats each sees that his 20 chocolates are now worth 50 Kit Kats and trades his 20 chocolates back for 50 Kit Kats, profiting 30 Kit Kats overall. All at once, the value of all the chocolates in the liquidity pool drops to a total of 100 Kit Kats, or 1.25 Kit Kats per chocolate. In bull runs, the ratio between chocolates and Kit Kats changes more and more, which leads to a lot of Kit Kats being taken out of the liquidity pool when chocolates are sold in small amounts. 
the price jumps back. This eventually returns to normal when buys and sells balance out. This is why sideways periods of trading are healthy and necessary for liquidity. But to not have to rely on sideways phases and to stabilize our liquidity pool as much as possible, we develop the feature in our next lesson, the furnace. Make sure you like and subscribe to our useless YouTube channel and be sure to hit the notification button if you'd like this bite-sized lesson and you wanna see the next one the moment it drops. See you in class next time. Okay, so the, <clears throat> the idea of a liquidity pool in a decentralized type of setup is you have an exchange, the pricing is determined by the ratio, right? And that's on the Binance Smart Chain that's called PancakeSwap for most tokens. There's other ones out there on Binance, but that's the big one. On Ethereum, you may have heard of Uniswap, right? That's the decentralized exchange that's most commonly used on, on the Ethereum network. And so what we did is we realized um, through some math and through some experiences is that too little liquidity in your liquidity pool is bad and too much liquidity in your liquidity pool can also be bad. The price action is actually really interesting when that happens. So if your liquidity is really, really low, it's extremely volatile, right? You sell a little or buy a little and the price just goes, right? That's volatility. Um, and that's because every buy or sell is making these huge movements in the liquidity. That makes sense, right? Um, when liquidity is really, really high, that's also problematic because it may look stagnant. It may look completely dead. And so an investor comes along and sees that the chart action just kind of going like that for a while. It's, it's boring. It's not interesting. So we developed something called the furnace. It's actually an ecosystem that we built outside of the smart contract. And what it does is it intelligently looks at the value of the health liquidity pool. Is it too low or is it too high? And then we take external revenue and we funnel it into the furnace. And then based off of whether or not we need to be building liquidity or removing liquidity, right? We'll do these particular type of operations. So we'll either be doing buyback and burns with the revenue that comes into the furnace, or we'll be pairing liquidity. And again, pairing liquidity, I, I alluded to like fusion, right? Take your BNB, you take your token, and you put it into liquidity pool, and it works for you. When you extract liquidity, it's like fission, right? You're taking the LP out, and you're extracting it back into the base token, the BNB into the token itself. So um, anyway, liquidity pools, I could talk about them all day. They're very exciting to me, and they're chart action. There's a few innovative things that Useless has done. Um, to keep a liquidity pool in a Goldilocks zone of we have between five and 15% um, roughly is where we really like this liquidity to be at. And that's where we see some of the, the best price action. Um, and we got a little bit of a little run going on here. So, um, but this is also dependent on the price of BNB. So because BNB is constantly fluctuating with value as well, our chart may move when literally there are, there are no buys and sells. And that's because if you click on the liquidity info right over there, you're gonna see, oh. Yeah, oh, that's right down there, just hold up. Um, yeah, you have 1,152 BNB pooled into the liquidity pool and the tokens in the liquidity pool stay the same. 
But if the price of BNB is fluctuating, then the price of useless will be fluctuating as well. So that's really interesting when you're tethering yourself to liquidity pool. What you pair with really matters because if BNB goes burr, your, your token goes burr, which is pretty cool. Um, there's other pairings too you can make. You could pair tokens like USDT or BUSD, which are stable coins, which are paired to the US dollar. And that way, if there's a crypto winter and things go poorly, our liquidity pool could be completely flat and not have to worry and could weather that storm. And so we're in the process actually of diversifying our liquidity pool. We recently paired 5% of our liquidity pool something called XUSD. It's a appreciating um, stable coin uh, that was actually created by our chief blockchain officer, uh, Mark, who is a super cool guy. If you're a SafeMoon fan, he actually used to be SafeMoon Mark. I don't know if you've heard of him. Anyway, um, yeah, he's our chief blockchain officer, super, super smart guy. And so we have 5% of our pairing in a stable coin right now, but we're gonna increase that over time um, because we want a little bit more uh, more ability to weather these crypto winters and not have it be so dependent on the price of the ether. But we definitely have our own price action. Every token tends to have their own price action. So you got anything that's on your mind or I, you want me to keep going? I got more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, go ahead and keep talking about creating a token and then we'll talk about how to okay. you know, make it flashy. All right. So here's the problem in the space is that there's a tr there's a a lot of trust that's missing. So if you go out and you want to invest, um, not invest, sorry, no, SEC. Um, if you want to go out and find a token that you're interested in and you want to purchase and become a holder of, gosh, I can dance around these words, um, then it's difficult to find something that's not a rug pull, a scam, or a honeypot. A honeypot is where a token looks like it's always going up. That's because you can't sell. Because they wrote malicious code and you can buy those tokens, but the sell operation doesn't even work, right? That's called a honeypot. So you gotta watch out for honeypots. If you see nothing being sold, like stay far away. Um, a rug pool, it might be a new token. It's exciting. They have a, a white paper and they have an audit and they have a team behind it. And you, you know, put some money into it and you're so excited. And then all of a sudden, it drops to zero and you're like, why? And it's because when they put all of their liquidity together, what happens is when I put, when I fuse my DNB and my tokens and put it into a liquidity pool, I get something called LP tokens in return. It's like a, it's like a receipt almost, right? And or like a ticket, a, a redemption ticket to where I can come walk away and come back and take my, to my LP tokens and I can say, you know what? Never mind. I want that liquidity back. And then you can extract and withdraw all of that liquidity and have it in your wallet. That's what a rug pool does. So what you're looking for are tokens that have locked LP. They'll actually take, they'll put in and inject their liquidity. They'll get their LP tokens back in return that they could use to redeem the underlying assets. And then they take it to a third party. They take those tickets. And they go, you hold on to those because they're dangerous and we could use them to steal a bunch of money. And that third party then locks those tokens away 
for like a year or three months or six months or four years or 10 years or whatever, right? So that's what locked LP is. So if you find a token and it does have locked LP, that's what actually is happening. If someone created the liquidity pool, got the tokens back, and then they're like, too tempting. And they locked it. Um, and then they'll get those LP tokens back after so many years. In the meantime, there's these things that are building liquidity. So you'll have tokens that have taxes on them, like 5% tax or 10% tax or something like that. And every time a purchase is made or transacted or sold or whatever, a portion of that volume goes to creating liquidity, which is a really cool concept. It's something that um, the SafeMoon token actually helped pioneer or at least made really popular is the auto liquidity mechanism. And so those tokens get scraped from transactions. You buy or you sell, you pay a five or 10% tax. For SafeMoon, it's a 10% tax and 5% of it goes towards auto liquidity. So that means 5% of every transaction, those tokens get sent into the liquidity pool. Long and short. It's more complicated than that. Um, it's a process called swap and liquefy, and they'll actually sell their tokens on the market, get the BNB back, pair it with the tokens of liquidity, then inject it into the liquidity pool. It's complicated. Um, but that's how it works. And so we have these tokens that have taxation on them now that have solved the problem. And that is how do you actually generate liquidity for a decentralized token? Right? Initially, someone has to create it. They have to take those pairings and put them together and inject them into the pool. But now we can do it automatically with taxes. That's kind of cool. So that's what we're doing now in these tokens is we're, we're funneling money, we're funneling BNB, we're funneling tokens and fusing them together, injecting them into liquidity. And that allows our liquidity pool to grow to a healthy level. And that supports massive bull runs because what actually happens is when you buy aggressively, it drains the liquidity pool. It just, it just plummets, right? Because you're pulling um, all these tokens out of the liquidity pool. When you sell tokens, you're massively inflating the number of tokens in the liquidity pool, right? Which makes the price more stagnant. So anyway, I don't want, I don't want to take up too much, much more time talking about liquidity. I keep doing this. Um, so um, It's like every stream, every Twitter space. Like I love liquidity. Um, most people haven't figured it out. So if you can figure out liquidity and know what it is, you're going to have a leg up over literally 90% of people out there because people don't understand how this works. And most of the manipulations and most of the scams and things are associated typically with problems or issues or something with liquidity. So it may seem like some weird technical jargon, but like this is the future in tokens is that you don't have people buying and selling. You have smart contracts that are dictating what the price is. That's so cool. And it's in the spirit of decentralization. So for example, if I were to go to a centralized exchange, everything that happens in there is a black box. You know, it's basically people are trading in a database. It's not even on the blockchain. They're not even trading on the blockchain. It goes into one big wallet, they call it a hot wallet, and you don't even see any of these interactions. It's just them and their program Moving money around in one big slush fund. This sounds a lot like fiat right now. Yeah, that's centralization. And we're trying to get away from centralization. We're trying to make everything decentralized as much as possible. So by getting away from these big centralized exchanges that are these big uh, black holes of lack of transparency, 
you start running into backroom deals, right? Oh, hey, you know, we'll give you some kickbacks for this and that, and you don't see it on the blockchain, right? It's one of the benefits of having everything on the blockchain. It's immutable, it's transparent, and the blockchain never lies. But centralized entities, exchanges, they'll lie to you. And so the more decentralized that you can get, the better. And we're called decentralized finance for a reason, right? So having a decentralized liquidity pool is tantamount, in my opinion, to ushering forward the future of cryptocurrency. And that is where we're poised, is talking about real, true decentralization. Um, because these exchanges are very, very problematic, very scary. Um, Bitmark, for example, was just hacked. Uh, a day or two ago for $150 million. And everyone who had their tokens in on Bitmark, they're out of luck. Um, there may be some compensation that I could try to dream up with or whatever, but it's a scary position to be in. You probably don't want to be in there. It dropped SafeMoon's billion dollar market cap at least in half. And 29 trillion tokens stolen, SafeMoon did from the hot wallet of Bitmark. Um, and it was sold all at once. Um, yeah, it brought the market cap from a billion dollars to like 400 something million dollars. It has the potential to essentially rug that token because then there, it eats the liquidity like crazy. So there's you know, not much to be able for you to go back and sell your tokens with. Yeah. So it's super scary when that happens. We figured out the other night that it was happening because the guy was hacking in alphabetical order. So they were able to see that one by one, all these tokens were being fully sold and he was selling all the BNB and ETH ones. So thank God useless is at the end, like you. <laughs> but it came down to us having to blacklist that wallet so that the tokens could go anywhere to make sure that you could sell it. So there are safeguards. Do you wanna talk about the difference between renounced and not renounced? Yeah, yeah I can do that. Um, so there's, You'll hear this all the time. Oh, this contract is renounced, or this token's renounced, and this one's not. Um, so when you have a contract, a smart contract, you have the you are typically one person is the owner, one wallet, one address is the person allowed to send commands to this to the smart contract to do special functions. So just like how you pull up a CLI on a terminal and you communicate with a program, you can do that if you're the owner of a smart contract token. And you can tell it to do stuff. You can call functions that say, um, uh, pull tokens out of out of the liquidity pool if you wanted to, right? Um, whatever you write in that contract, you can execute. So um, there are, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. There's only owner functions that you can call. But long and story short is, um, you can do something called renouncing the contract where you transfer the ownership of the, of the token of the smart contract, and you send the ownership to the burn wallet. The burn wallet is a zero address. It's impossible to find the private keys to. It's basically a void, right? Um, so when you transfer ownership to the burn wallet, then the token is officially renounced. But there's a problem. And I saw this a lot um, when I was moderating for SafeMoon. When you renounce a token, that means that you're locked in. Anything that could possibly happen to that token that you'd have the ability to have some minute control over, it disappears. So, for example, if you need to, say, blacklist 
the BitMart hot wallet when it's hacked, so your tokens don't get stolen and sold off, if you renounce your ownership, you can't do that. So that's what we did at Useless. As soon as that BitMart hack happened, Jackie, oh my gosh, you should tell this story because it was like out of a movie. So I, I was, anyway, I went to Alabama. We were watching the game. Sorry if you were a Georgia fan. Um, <laughs> I, I heard a few. I heard, look, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think it was going to happen for us this year. I don't know where that team's been all year, but anyway, roll tide. Um, but all of a sudden, the, our Discord starts going off. 911, 911, bit parts being hacked. It's a Saturday night. Like, we're nerds, but we still have lives for some of us. <laughs> <laughs> David was flying here, and I'm the only one in front of a desktop and able to actually log into our multi signature wallet and figure out how to do this. The last time I coded something was the personalization of my own MySpace page. It's been a minute, okay? I'm the chief meme officer. I don't do this, right? Like he does this. I, I do something else. So all of a sudden it was up to me and he's giving me directions. I'm on the phone with someone and we're trying to just copy paste in the right addresses. It's not going through. And then I still have to wait for four people all over the country to log into an app and execute this. Then it wouldn't go through. And I was panicking and refreshing and just hitting buttons and then finally it did. But it was very stressful and I did not appreciate it. <laughs> so we were this close to losing, it was 4 trillion tokens from the Bitmar hot wallet. That day it was $77,000 worth. Yeah, so a decent amount. Um, and, and so my point is, is that if you renounce your contract, it's technically safer because you can't call malicious functions on the contract to do malicious things. But if you have a good, steady, solid team that knows what they're doing, there's a lot of fine-tuned control over things you can do. So you could swap out the pancake swap router when it updates, right? That's something that SafeMoon um, wasn't able to do because it wasn't in our code. It's in our code. We can, when PancakeSwap comes out with a V3, then because we didn't renounce contract ownership, I can call a function to update the PancakeSwap router to be the V3. Right, that keeps us a little bit more agile, able to keep the code. Even though we don't, we can't change the code. We can change some of the state variables inside of that program, and then that's really, really important. And so we can blacklist when people are scammed. We almost had it. Someone was, uh, uh, they had forty thousand dollars worth of useless stolen from their wallet because they gave away their seed phrase. Don't do that, by the way. Ever your seed phrase is sacred. Don't even show anyone, don't store it on your phone, don't store it on your clipboard. Like literally, I, I I took my seed phrase and I hammered it in, like with those like little, little hammering devices onto a little steel plate, my 12 seed phrases. And um, don't store it in your computer or anything like that because as soon as they get your seed phrase, they can access your wallet and send it off and it's irrecoverable. So just, anyway. Um, I want to I want to kind of switch gears a little bit, and let's go more into like the meta. What's it like to start a token, right? If you were to start a token, how would you run it? What are some of the advice, the pieces of advice that I'd give you, um, and that Jackie would give you? So the first thing I'd say is trust. Um, trust is the biggest thing that you need to overcome in launching a new token. Um, it's incredibly dangerous out there. So there are third parties out there. Um, that perform audits 
on smart contracts. But remember, they're doing audits on the code, not on the people, not on the ecosystem. So you could pass an audit with a smart contract that doesn't look malicious, but you may not lock your LP tokens. So the code's operating fine. The code, the auditors say, yeah, this is fine. But you still find a way to defraud the people who are looking um, to, to purchase and hold on to your token. So you got to be really careful. So trust is the biggest thing. And how do you overcome this trust barrier? Well, consider doxing. Right, that's what we did. I'm here in front of you telling you that I'm used to CEO. Um, that's, a, that's a big deal. So here I am, people are attaching a face and a name and a LinkedIn profile to a real human being that's speaking in front of you right now. It might instill more confidence than some random dude, right, from, I'm just making up a country, right, um, Indonesia or something, you know, where um, nothing wrong with Indonesia, just like it's, like you don't know these people, right? And oftentimes people will be sneaky about it and they'll be like, yeah, you know, we're docs, but like I mentioned earlier, there's one person who's not. And that one person has the keys to the kingdom. And so they'll actually have everyone else be the fall guys and people from their community, they'll convince to come up and be part of their team. You know, hey, be the CMO. Hey, be the chief blockchain officer. You know, you do this, you're all gonna get rich. And then, um, the one dev who doesn't dox ends up rug pulling on everybody. And then they blame all the people who are doxed, which really sucks. So this is us, this is me. Um, that's Jackie, Lance, um, Mitch. Mitch has actually stepped down. Uh, we have been um, as of Sunday. And he is uh, gonna be replaced. Um, well, not replaced, he'll never be able to be replaced. Uh, but his spot will be replaced by Amir, who is developing our app. Uh, Joseph and, and Sheldon. So these are faces and names for a project that we put in front of everyone. And we put it prominently on our website because this instills trust. And if you're gonna start a token or you're looking at evaluating tokens, you need to have some more trust in the team. Now, not every token with an undocs team is bad, right? They could renounce their contract. But the problem is, is it makes it difficult for them to adjust to the reality of change in this space. So renouncing the contract sounds nice, but it's not a silver bullet. It will hamstring you. And in order to move on, you'd, you'd have to basically relaunch your entire token. So just there's, there's a reason why we didn't renounce our contract. The second thing we did is we put everything behind a multi-signature wallet. So if you own a smart contract, and it's just a regular wallet, you can tell that smart contract to do anything. At any given moment, at any time, there's no delay, this happens on the blockchain and zoom, it's done. So if you have something that's kind of dangerous in your smart contract, um, that one wallet can access and with ownership functions and do potentially bad things, like for example, the blacklist address. If it was just me, for example, owning, owning the useless token, what if I wanted the blacklist Jackie? There's nothing that she could do to stop it. I could do it on a whim, right? She's screwed. And so what we decided to do is to put the ownership, instead of one normal regular wallet, we put it behind a multi-sig. And the Gnosis multi-sig is uh, one of the better ones out there. Um, 
And it allows for you to actually sign transactions um, with multiple people before they actually go through. So we have four out of six of our corporate directors, which is the majority, right? Um, have to sign every single contract interaction. So the token's owned by the multi-sig. We interact with the contract and we say, hey, run this function. And then the majority of us have to sign it and then it will execute. So if you want to build trust in the token, I would say put it behind a multi-signature wallet that will help a lot and people feel better that you can't just maliciously, for whatever reason, call something off the contract that's dangerous, like the blacklist function. If I wanted to blacklist Jackie, I would create a multi-signature transaction to blacklist Jackie. Jackie would see that, she'd be WTF, and then I'd probably be removed to CEO. So, and the transaction would be rejected. So those are some safeguards that you can put in place to have the best of both worlds. You don't have to renounce your contract. And when you get all your LP tokens, so if I fuse my BNB and tokens and I inject it into a liquidity pool, I get my LP tokens back that I normally would send to a third party because it's too dangerous. Well, we don't have to do that anymore. We can hold on to that because we're holding them in the safe. And now we have more flexibility. So instead of waiting a year for those LP tokens to unlock, say our liquidity is in a really great shape, we can go to our multi-sig and say, let's extract some liquidity and let's pay for marketing. And so we take our LP tokens, our liquidity is at 20, 30% or something. And then we extract the BNB and tokens. We take that BNB and we can trade that for cash. And then the tokens we can put in a marketing wall or we can burn or we can do whatever with it, right? Or we could use it for incentives for people to join our team, right? So again, having renounced contracts, it sounds good on the surface, but it's just a buzzword. Be careful with that. Another thing that helps um, with security, uh, sorry, with, with trust is that you're you have all your socials in a row, right? So all your socials are aligned. Um, you have a website, it looks professional, um, it looks legitimate. Um, you have a Discord or a Telegram um, or both preferably, and you're active in it, people are communicating, um, they're doing AMAs, they're answering questions, they're communicating with, um, with their people. So trust is really hard to build in this space and that's the number one obstacle. If you can overcome trust, you can overcome a lot if you're gonna go out into the space. Um, another thing that you need is, is honesty, frankly. Um, you need to tell people what's what, and you need to be real about it. Um, you need to admit to your own mistakes, your own faults, and uh, eat crow sometimes, right? But people will, will recognize and value when you are being honest and transparent with them. So I'm not gonna say any names, but there are tokens out there that promise the moon all sorts of, pro everyone's doing some sort of weird NFT project, right? That is going to be an NFT marketplace that's building their own exchange. You could buy land in a metaverse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you buy land in the metaverse, right? If I came to you right now, I'm like, guys, we're building a token thing and you can buy land in the metaverse with NFTs. You'd be like, yeah. And the reality is like, is this actually going to happen? And, and so you got to actually put up what you're saying with results. And so you actually have to build something and release it. There's a reason why when we built our app, um, it's not ready to be released to the app stores yet. 
because we're iterating. We have an MVP out there. We're cleaning up some bugs. We're making it better. But we put it out in open beta. So to prove to everyone, we're actually building this. This isn't vaporware. This isn't a magic trick, right? That we're showing you a product. If I show you this, would you believe that this was real? Well, if you can download it and you can go to the Discord and you can play around with it and you're like, okay, these people are actually building a real and that matters in this space. You're building real legitimate products, people will come to you. But if you are just throwing up screenshots or you're saying, we're just gonna do this or that or promises, or we're gonna have an exchange or we're gonna have an NFT marketplace or we're gonna build stuff in the metaverse, people, you might get a big initial hype going, but that hype is unsustainable. It will backfire. And so at Useless, one of the things I'm actually kind of annoying about, sorry, um, is I tell, I tell my team not to hype. Um, and by hype, I mean overhype, right? Hype is hype, it can be good. Like let's hype our product that we have, right? We built this, it looks good, it looks clean. It's like the Robin Hood of crypto, that's what we're going for, right? We wanna get people into crypto. We wanna be able to send this to your uncle or your aunt or your great grandmother, right? Who knows nothing and just has a smartphone and they can go on and they can create a wallet and they can get money from their bank account into crypto and they can buy tokens and they can see charts and they can favorite stuff like that's that's what we're trying to do in this space and so when you're creating a token or you're looking at tokens look at the utility what does it do does the team actually have the credentials to do this they have previous wins previous tokens they're part of what were their success rate right who are these people are they docs is it safe is it secure is it audited they have a good website and it's hard to find these projects. It really is. There's so much garbage out there. And so I challenge you, right? Is that you are in a situation now where this, where crypto is fast becoming like, you know, you think of like, well, what happened in, in the eighties or the nineties in technology? What happened in, in the early 2000s or 2010s, right? I think that the next coming decade or two is going to be like, it's not the internet, it's not computers, right? Um, it's not smartphones, it's going to be crypto. That's my, that's my sentiment, is that we are seeing the decentralization of everything. Imagine having a, um, a decentralized credit score. Now, that's an idea, right? Uh, imagine having um, where you're not, necessarily paid in money anymore but you're paid in like maybe a binance pegged usdt token and or maybe the venmo of the future isn't sending fiat back and forth that goes to your bank account or, or whatever right well you could pay with crypto at a point of service why would you even use a bank account in in that future right why couldn't you just have a wallet and your company pays you in in tokens that are pegged to the US dollar, perhaps. Um, you pay your friends or receive payments from your friends, or you pay for your Uber or whatever. Um, and it's all in it's all in these tokens or these coins. And I don't think that's a, a weird future to think about. I think it's it's pretty close. The cusp of it is here. But we but it's kind of the Wild West right now. It's a dangerous place. But when there's chaos there's opportunity. And this isn't a get rich scheme. This is hard work. 
right? I'm not rich. I still work a day job. I'm a senior software engineering manager at a teletherapy company. That's what I do for my nine to five wage slavery. And I want to get out of it um, because I want to work on crypto full time, um, but I can't afford to do that yet. This isn't something that is going to get you rich. And if you are in this to get rich, I, I recommend you don't get into this space. What I do recommend is if you want to get into the space, I think that you can be on the leading edge of innovation in building out these products, these services, these platforms, these solutions, and to actually making these things possible. And so it's, it's a really cool opportunity that you guys are in right now to be on the cutting edge of something that is, I see the potential, you see the potential. We all see that potential of us, um, NFTs. How many of you guys are familiar with NFTs? A lot of you. Wow. Gosh, it's crazy. Um, so non-fungible tokens. Imagine a world where NFTs are your licenses to like software, to music, to games, to movies, right? Property. To property. Um, imagine you get pulled over 20, 30 years in the future and it goes, license and NFT registration, please. You know, that's a possibility, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what if you're like, oh, sorry, my phone's dead. Well, the government could be an issuer of a decentralized NFT. And then they're, they're the ones looking for that type of NFT given by a particular uh, party, right? And so um, even you can have government intertwined with something and it sounds centralized on the surface, but the reality is really truly decentralized. I love this idea of uh, imagine a wallet where you purchase like, okay, Steam, right? How many of you guys have Steam? Yeah, most of you, right? Have you ever bought a game that you've never played? Yeah, most of us have, right? And Steam's like that, right? You like collecting them in a way. It's like, they're like grim trophies. You buy a game and it's not the fact that you like are going to play it. You just have it. You have the, you have the ability, you have the right, you have the ownership, damn it. Right. So you're like, you collect them, you know, you have a steam sale on, you're like, I'm never going to play that, but I'm going to get you because you're on sale from 49.99 to 9.99. And I want, it. <laughs> well, imagine an NFT, right, being issued by the creator, right? These, this is putting power in a decentralized way back into content creators. So imagine that I create video games. I don't have to go to a publisher to publish my game, right? I could mint a certain number of NFTs, like say 10,000, and I say, here's our first run of our game. And you have these dumb pipes of other softwares companies that have the rights to basically be dumb pipes to allow you to download the game if you have that NFT from your wallet. Or imagine Netflix, right? Change their model to where instead of it being a Netflix exclusive, Netflix just scans your wallet and that's your library. And that's what you can play. Or maybe an option in there, right? Or a music service that scans your wallet and then loads all your music and acts as a dumb pipe to deliver it. Because you have ownership over that. So again, um, these are just really cool things that are coming down the pipe. 
that is going to allow us to rethink what property is, what licensing is, what patents are, um, what how we handle and treat um, intellectual property just across the board. Um, and and this is this is a start. Is smart contracts on a blockchain, um, and how or when or what or however all of this comes together, um, it's going to be organic. It's not going to you're gonna have some things that have pop up overnight that are gonna wow us, but this is a slow, steady, iterative race. And so getting on board now, trust me, I was first, I, I only bought Bitcoin and Robinhood up until, until March of this year. I knew nothing about the blockchain. And so if I can learn this, you guys can too, in a very short period of time. And so that's my challenge to you is to look into this, to research it, to evaluate what's out there, right? Throw 20 bucks at, at a scam that's gonna get your rug pulled. Experience that, Ugh, live. you know? <laughs> yeah, live, right? Um, don't, don't be reckless, right? But like experiment with it, right? Get some BNB and throw it at something. Get some ETH and throw it at something. Well, ETH is expensive. <laughs> it's gonna be hard. Like, like getting rugs, the new STD. Like, it's, like, just go live your life. Go, go live your life. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but that's that's what I'm really excited about. Is like I wish I was in your shoes right now, right? Um, because I, I I'm 36, right? Um, and I'm just now just kind of getting into the space where that I really love and I'm really passionate about. I wish I would have found this earlier in my life, you know? Um, I, yeah. A uh, couple, do you have some things? Sure. Yeah. I'm going to sit down for a second. Okay. So after you've heard him talk about all of this, how many of you are interested in starting your own crypto now? Um, so I don't know if David touched on this, but sometimes it's just as easy as copy paste because everything's open source. So you can just find a contract that you like, you like their liquidity pairing. You just go in and, you know, select all copy, go to create and, and paste it and launch it. Uh, like we talked about earlier, making a light paper, submitting to CoinGecko and CoinMarketCap is the best day you will ever have in the token is when it shows up there because people start buying and you start seeing the chart go up. After that, marketing gets much harder. Um, the first rule of advertising is that the best form of advertising is word of mouth. So David's initial focus and our, our focus still is very, very community driven. So our Discord and our Telegram and even our Twitter a little bit, um, it, that's definitely our strongest asset. It's our strongest source of social because we will be in there as well. Um, on the video, I said Professor Tupac, of course, that is my username. I did not think this many people would end up seeing it. And <laughs> my mom is so proud. <laughs> but we interact with the community on a very regular basis. You can tag us, we pop in there, we answer questions, we, you know, shoot the shit with you guys. We love to talk to everybody. And we like to know how you're feeling as well, because this is your, you know, your tokens as much as it is ours. We all want it to do well. Um, from a marketing standpoint, it's very difficult to get free marketing when the chart is going like it looks on that app it's 
much easier to get free marketing <laughs> because everybody loves to brag about how much money they made. But when the chart looks the opposite, you don't hear anybody bragging about that. Um, so there's definitely levels of marketing and you have obviously the very community driven and focused efforts. Um, and those are free and those are wonderful. And we love and appreciate our community for everything that they do for us. The next is obviously you create content. So a full library explaining, you know, on every different medium that you can find this content, you have to create it. So if it's TikTok, if it's all of these socials that you see on the far right hand side, those are absolutely necessary because the same person who finds it on Facebook is not gonna be a person who is on Discord. So you're going to need to find people in their own happy place, basically, their own comfort zone where they could come across your content. Um, one of the most popular forms of advertising is the influencer name. I don't know how many of you like follow you know, Bitboy Crypto or Crypto RS, he's on YouTube, or Crypto Windio on TikTok. There's a huge space of a lot of people who are willing to recommend coins. They come off as fairly trustworthy because they see that they have vetted these projects. What you don't know is that they have been paid to say very nice things. And they have also been paid a lot of money. To date, I think the cheapest influencer we pay for is somewhere around $5,000. And I met people tell me dead to my face that a 12 minute video would be about $30,000. So it's good to be a YouTuber. Maybe don't watch a token. Maybe just start like posting some things on YouTube. I think maybe I'm on the wrong side of the token or something. Uh, but all of these things are very necessary. I had some notes and I'm like blanking. Um, oh, do how many have a, like trust wallet or metamask or something like that Rachel. okay um so our our app will allow you to create one did you do that now no okay so you can import your wallet to the <coughs> app but if you're sitting here and it will be necessary if you win you will need to download trust wallet and that's how we will give you your tokens if you win yeah, so if everybody wants to pull out their phone and download Trust Wallet in the, the app store. <laughs> Maybe a Okay, if you win, that's fine. I will do it upon necessity. Yeah. You said Yes. Yeah. If any any crypto wallet would, would accept the token. Yeah, I would actually hold off on downloading and because what happens is it asks you to create a wallet and it'll create that 12 word seed phrase. And you don't want to copy that. You don't want to screenshot it, right? You want to write it down on pen and paper and store it in your safe, right? Um, you don't want to put it on anything digital. Because if you have like, say your, your phone gets compromised, like you have a little malware in there that has like, picks up copy and paste stuff, right? In your clipboard, it can pick up that seed phrase and boom, your phone's compromised. If you screenshot your seed phrase, um, if you give your, phone access to your gallery for any malicious application, it could go through and see that in your gallery and get your seed phrase, right? So be extremely careful with your seed phrase. If you do create a wallet today, um, we could give it to you after the fact, just give us your details and information. And once you get your seed phrase secured, or we can at least get it at least written down and put it in your pocket. Uh, just, be, just remember, 
do not lose your seed phrase or it's gone. It could be literally like twenty thousand dollars in cash <clears throat> gone. So just yeah. Also, don't connect to sketchy Wi-Fi. Don't. There's lots of ways people can try to steal your stuff. Um. So, so this event in particular is also a marketing effort for us. Everything we do is usually trying to be calculated. David mentioned we don't hype, but hype gets a lot of attention. So we kind of go back and forth and, and we try not to hype unless we actually have something for you. That's kind of our personal rule. So we're not promising vaporware or saying that we're going to tackle something absolutely insane, like a, a full-blown exchange. And, you know, we don't, it's just so unlikely. We don't have the resources for that right now. Um, but uh, if, if I could go back to the moment that David like created the, the contract that he relaunched, I wasn't around and I didn't know what I know now. I would suggest that maybe dividing the reflections percentage and having that and making a marketing percentage for a marketing wallet. You do have to spend money to make money. How many of you have heard of Floki? Like Floki token? So they have a $2 million a month marketing budget right now. You can wallpaper the internet with that, but <laughs> I, I don't have that budget. So there's things to consider. And, and that's a good sign of a token as well. When they're able to generate that kind of money, that just means they're a good token. You can ride the wave of however long that's going to do it. Or you can be a holder and ride it until it dies into the ground. But either way, they're going to spend the money that they've created for it. So. If you're going to build your own token, I suggest you put a little marketing money away just for for BitBoy Crypto's thirty thousand dollar video for twelve minutes. <laughs> but lastly, you know, word of mouth is absolutely key. It's why Amazon reviews are so important. It's why you go right. So you guys might walk out of here and tell two more people about use this crypto, and the, the ripple effect it becomes huge. Right. It's like watching COVID spread all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we really appreciate you guys coming out. This was Birdman helped us set this up today, and thank you guys. I, I wasn't paid though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not Bitboy Crypto at all. So, uh, but yeah, thank you guys. I think we'll take some questions. I need to look at yeah. her videos up as well. Yeah. So, if you guys have any questions for me or for David, yeah, sure. Cool. What's up? Uh, so I have a lot yeah um i think that's kind of like vault right like does a vault help you generate another token all right so does it create like a reward token um yeah no, that's actually an interesting question so some tokens out there are reward tokens uh vault is a good example uh safe earn or earn hub is another example um flavors is one that's listed in our app that's a reward token and what they'll do is they'll have a percentage for each transaction, a taxation amount. And that taxation amount, part of that goes towards purchasing other tokens and putting it into a pool and rewarding that to holders. Is that somewhere where you're talking about with Uchain? Yeah, there's their own. Uh, oh. Like Uchain creates Discord, uh, which is like the energy, like you're saying, that runs the program. Oh. So they create its own token. Yeah, so they refer to it. Runs the program. That's pretty cool. So it's its own layer one solution. Yeah, I mean, it has a physical product as well. Um, it, it, it's either a little bit lost. Like, you know, it's a physical product as well. Well, it's an app. It's an app. Yeah. That's your physical. 
Yeah, it's our product. Um, but yeah, just to draw a distinction. So there's layer one solutions out there, like Bitcoin is its own layer one chain, right? It has no smart contracts. Um, Ethereum is its own layer one chain. Um, and it has smart contracts in it that can be tokens. So we are a token on another layer one contract. So we're not the useless chain. We don't have a useless blockchain, right? We are on the Binance Smart Chain Network, just like a bunch of other tokens on the Binance Smart Chain Network. And we are pegged and really part of that close ecosystem. Just how like tokens that are Ethereum-based tokens are, they're not coins, right? There's a difference between a coin and a token. So coin is like the layer one's coin, but a token is a smart contract on that chain that is a representative of some ethereal asset. Ooh, ooh, and this is fun. Okay, I want to hear So, <clears throat> your wallet, right? Tokens aren't sent to your wallet. Let that sink in. Tokens are not sent to your wallet. And you do not send tokens from your wallet. How it works is on the smart contract for that token, there is a mapping of your wallet address to a balance. So it's a, it's a ledger on that smart contract. And so what happens is your wallet, right? If you go in a trust wallet and you add a token, well, your wallet has no understanding that it has a balance at all until it asks a token if it has a balance, <laughs> right? That's how it works. So your wallet will actually go out and ask useless, the useless smart contract, What's my balance? And it'll come back and it'll be like, you got 50 billion users, bro. And you're like, cool. And then when you sell or you buy or you do anything, you are authenticating with that smart contract as the wallet owner because you have the private keys. So it's an authentication method. Your wallet is your authentication to prove you own that address. So I again, it's a little sec, ah, I just love it, right? But most people don't understand that. They don't get it. But that's how you can have a honeypot, right? Is you're not, you can have tokens that exist in your wallet that are given to you. And you're like, sweet, I have these tokens and they're worth a lot of money and you can't transfer them from your wallet. And you're like, what's, how is that even possible? Well, it's because they associate this smart contract, this malicious smart contract match your address to a balance and your wallet is aware of that connection and it's asking that malicious smart contract what its balance is and then when you send the command to that smart contract to sell your tokens that smart contract goes nah because again it's not in your wallet the smart contract dictates its circulation and its rules really cool stuff Sorry, it's kind of went off. Yeah, what's up? Uh, so is it possible, is it actually possible to cash out, delete all your information and just be done with the whole debacle? I mean... We usually have to KYC like on the back end, right? In order to get your money out. Are you talking about like to to just yeah, turn it into fiat and bail? Just, just get the physical money from it that you can actually use delete all your information and be done with it. Everything on the blockchain is immutable. So, so um, you're saying if I create an account, it's irreversible. 
it's absolutely irreversible and immutable. There are a couple of exceptions because I live in a world as a developer where exceptions exist. You can call a self-destruct on a smart contract. It'll actually give you gas back. It's like the weirdest thing ever. I don't even know how it works, right? But that's the only rare exception and it's so rare. It's not a thing really. But yeah, so generally speaking, um, anything written on the blockchain is a permanent record and it's immutable and you can't delete it. And so there's actually not a lot of privacy on the blockchain if someone has your address. Trick is to ensure people don't get your address um, if you want your privacy. I am very decent at wallet tracking. I have a lot of wallets. I know who they are and it's fun for me, maybe not fun for them. Um, but I, I have I have more than two thousand wallets mapped, um, and it's fun because you can go through and you can track and you can see who owns this cluster of wallets. And you can see their exit wallets at this deposit address on this you know centralized finance exchange or something. Um, and you can map all the money coming into the deposit address and all the different addresses, and you can even see the cross chain transfers. Oh, it's so much fun! And I do this because it's it's a challenge. It's like you're doing detective work. You're trying to figure out where this money is coming from or where it's going to, right? And normal people don't do this, okay? I'm weird. But like, you can do that. Anyone with a desire and wherewithal can find someone's wallet and literally trace everything about that wallet. And so just be aware of that, um, that if you are doing things on the blockchain, that there is a permanent record of what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> he he was on like a he was on one one night and he like shows me one of his track downs and I was like dude this is what you look like right now <laughs> yeah it gets me in the troubles okay any other questions go questions yeah so congressional oversight right now with uh with everything that pelosi and yellen are doing what, what exactly is the situation we just kind of try to keep our head down right now until they figure that out i'm gonna be really honest you know i don't think they know how to regulate this you couldn't tell me that pelosi could figure out how to buy this coin if she tries you know yeah, I mean, it, you know, Janet Yellen came out said she wanted to tax unrealized gains. Yeah. At what point? Like at my all-time high, I'm sure you would. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I didn't sell there, so come and get it. You know. So I we'll see. I mean, I I just don't think. I it's up to you guys. It's up to us, right? Like eventually, these people are gonna die. Hopefully soon. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> you know, they say society progresses sometimes one funeral at a time. Yeah. 
And I, I just feel like the sooner <laughs> they're gone, the sooner you start voting for people who understand this, who are proponents of it, who, you know, they're they're adopting it. They're willing to recognize its potential. You know, cities like Miami, New York, they've created their own coins. Oh my God, David's seat away. Anyway. So, so we'll see you all in the Cayman Islands. That's yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I tell the Discord on a monthly basis. I'm like, if I need to move, I'll take this bullet. Yeah, you know, I'll move to the Cayman Islands. We'll go. Yeah. Any other questions? This is your chance. Yep. Thank you guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody has a ticket. Well, who didn't get one? <laughs>